Welcome to Claim the Stage, a podcast for women who want to discover, awaken, and create their voice through the art of public speaking. I'm your host, Angela Lucier, award-winning professional speaker, author, and CEO and founder of The Speaker Sisterhood. Welcome to episode 128. The Secrets of the Sisterhood series continues as I interview Shauna Gulbrand and Kim Menninger on today's episode. They are two contributors to our new book, Secrets of the Sisterhood. It is a compilation-style book featuring 45 speeches written by Speaker Sisterhood members and delivered in their clubs at some point between 2016 and 2019. And we are so excited to bring this book to you. This book is full of inspiring stories. Just real, real talk, you know, a lot of real talk, a lot of courage, a lot of just putting it out there and talking about the truth. And these speeches are actually broken into three categories, speeches about love, speeches about truth and speeches about power. I mean, what is better than that? (laughs) I can't wait for this book to come out on November 29th. We're having a special launch day discount with promo codes and all kinds of great offerings. So if you have a friend, a sister-in-law, a mother, an aunt, you know, a coworker who you find is impossible to buy for, we have the perfect gift for you to give this holiday season. And I can't wait for you to hear from these women who are going to share their speeches with you and hopefully bring some new insight and opportunities for reflection to your own life. So on today's episode, you'll hear speeches from Shauna Gulbrand, who's a member of our virtual club and also club leader in Salem, New Hampshire, and Kim Menninger, who is also a member of our virtual club. So if you have any interest in checking out a Speaker Sisterhood club, you can go to speakersisterhood.com and look up our club directory and see if there's a club near you. And if not, our virtual club is open to everybody and you can join from the comfort of your own living room, which is pretty awesome. I wish I could practice public speaking from my couch. (laughs) I think that probably would have made the whole thing just a little bit easier to start doing. So without further ado, today's episode with Shauna and Kim. Enjoy. Shauna Goldbrand, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me and having me here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you and for you to share your awesome speech. But before you do that, why don't you tell everyone when you joined Speaker Sisterhood, why you joined, and which club you joined? I joined Speaker Sisterhood in August of 2018, and I joined the virtual club. I joined because I was looking to enhance my public speaking skills to become better, more effective speaker. And I also joined because I had the intention of opening up my own club. So there was that opportunity to really hone in and enhance my facilitation skills as well. So it was like a win-win, become a better speaker, become a better facilitator. Yeah. And you run your own club now in Salem, New Hampshire. I do. Yeah. And I love it. We meet on the second and fourth Thursdays of every month. Awesome. What has that journey been like for you as a leader? Just... (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) I don't even know if I could sum it up in just a couple of of sentences. It is, it's truly, I, I hate that word amazing. So it is, it's just this wonderful experience to not only create and and hold a container for these women in my community, but it has been magical to 
watch their transformation because it's not just about speaking. It's about personal discovery and just watching the members of my club grow and evolve themselves. It's, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to witness. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Having led several clubs myself, it's like, it's just so cool to witness the evolution and Mm -hmm. to be there from the start. And then, you know, three months, six months later, like there's just different people. And it's so exciting to know that you're part of that. Right. Can you also tell us what you do professionally? Sure. So I am a certified life coach and I specialize in self-awareness. I really am passionate about guiding people on their own journey of self-discovery. And I'm an advocate for conscious living. As I practice it myself, I notice that I have this desire to help other people live more consciously. I am an integrated energy therapy master instructor. So not only do I offer IET sessions, but I can also certify other people. I am a yoga instructor. I run the Speaker Sisterhood of Salem, New Hampshire. And I, I, along with my friend Jennifer, just launched our own podcast called Hawks and Lavender Rose. And we're super excited about that. I love that. And I wanted to ask you where you came up with the name for that podcast. You have to listen to episode one, Angela, to get that. Uh, I'll just tell you real quick. I'm a huge Prince fan. And when Jennifer and I sat down to talk about what we were going to call it, what our title was going to be, I said, listen, there's this song by Prince and it has nothing to do with the song. It's just the title name. I said, it's called Elephants and Flowers. And when I think about our our podcast, I want something unusual for the name. So we started playing around with, with different things and we realized that, well, we already knew this, but we both have Hawk as an animal spirit guide. So we knew that that was going to be in the title. And then we just started playing around with different names of flowers because we both love flowers. And that's how we came up with Hawks and Lavender Rose. I love it. That's really cool. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, let's jump into your speech. What is the title of your speech? Hope, Healing, and Confidence. All right. Go for it. Thank you. Imagine for a moment a younger version of yourself, perhaps the version of you from a decade ago. What's different? How have you changed from this earlier version of yourself? A decade ago, Shauna Gulbrand was a very different version of the person you see today. She was selfish, mean, unsympathetic, and uncaring. Painfully honest, she lacked any filters or boundaries in her approach to others. She was, quite frankly, a difficult person. She had little capacity for compromise. It was her way or the highway. Although she had the capacity to be selfless, nurturing, and compassionate, she tucked those parts neatly away in the dark corners of her shadow self. Those traits were signs of weakness. They were unknown. Those values had never been introduced, taught, encouraged, or supported. Ah, the joys of childhood conditioning the patterns of thought and behavior that cycle through generations. The birth of her children stirred the dormant caregiver, divine feminine, and great mother archetypes within. But while she settled into the role of mother, not much had changed at that point. She took care of her babies and raised them to the best of her ability with the tools she had in her toolbox at the time. Still. 
neither child could stay home from school unless they were bleeding or dying. (laughs) She handled her children's emotional dramas or traumas with a matter-of-fact, oh, you'll be fine attitude. She remained rigid in her desire to have everything her way, the daily routine, how the house was run, how the children were raised. And it pissed her off every time her husband was fun-loving, nurturing, and compassionate with the kids when Shauna wanted to stick to the schedule. As Shauna's once dormant archetypes grew into a spiritual awakening, she developed daily heart-centered practices. She began to understand the effect of her words and actions. By practicing self-forgiveness, she started releasing the belief that the world did not, in fact, revolve around her. Other people have feelings too, and she could be more mindful of that fact. She began to forgive herself for all the years of rigidity, anger, and control, and she set daily intentions to see the people in her life through eyes of love and compassion. She became a certified life coach, a yoga instructor, and an integrated energy therapy master instructor, and she began working with individual clients and groups. Although she preached self-love and compassion, it felt fake and uncomfortable. She wasn't truly practicing it herself. The epiphany opened her up to the possibility that if she could be nurturing and compassionate toward herself, then she could be nurturing and compassionate toward anyone. This opened a new world. Shauna's had golden opportunities to listen to her sons with an open, understanding heart, ready, willing, and able to offer compassion for whatever goes on in their lives. Her relationship with her sons has grown and deepened, and they've found a new level of respect. In her classes, With clients, family, or friends, Shauna shares the importance of self-love. She invites them to replace self-criticism with nurturing compassion. She reminds herself and others to be gentle, that we're each doing the best that we can. A decade of healing has passed. Shauna stands before you now, very much aware of the triggers, the rising irritation, and the irrational desire to lash out when something throws her off schedule. It's still a little challenging to release control and the need to be selfish. She's working on it. She does her best to breathe, sit in her sacred space, and feel her way through the behavior pattern. Today, Shauna is confident in her ability to place someone else's needs before her own confident to be soft and welcoming like an oversized couch that envelops and holds you close. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I want to be on that couch right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Wow. I love that speech. And Hearing you read it, it's so interesting how different it is to hear you read it versus when I read it, you know, in my in my mind. And what stood out to me this time around was that journey you went on from thinking of yourself 
I don't, and maybe you didn't think of yourself at the time as mean and selfish and it took a while to get there or what was that transformation like? Did someone point that out to you or did you find that out about yourself one day? How did that happen? Well, there were people that right out told me, you are painfully honest. And there was a time in my life that I just embraced that like, yeah, I am. And you have to deal with it. And I'm not really sure when the shift started to happen. Well, a year ago, I went to a conference where I had my heart initiated and my heart was opened, my heart center opened. And I've noticed a lot of changes over the past year within myself. But I think just my self-reflection, my introspection, those practices that I hold has helped me to realize that, yeah, I was really nasty back then and I forgive myself for it. Mm -hmm. What made you want to tell this story? Wow. Love. Love. Love made me tell this story. Love and my practice of vulnerability. And on top of that, my yearning to know all of me, even the stuff I prefer not to acknowledge or, or accept. And additionally, this November marks 10 years, a full decade of my journey of self-discovery. It was 10 years ago that I purchased my first official, going to finish it from beginning to end, journal. Ooh. And then what are you going to do with it? <laughs> With the journal? Yeah. Well, I've gone through many of them, but that was like my first official, like, okay, it's time for me to start journaling and process things. But love was really what made me tell the story. And my, my practice of vulnerability and authenticity, what I'm noticing is it's inspiring other people to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. which to me is a great thing. Yeah. Did you have any fears around sharing the story? Interestingly enough, No, I had no fears whatsoever because of my practice of vulnerability. It's a guiding force for me in moving through fear or moving through. But this wonderful woman brought something to my attention. Her name is Angela Lucier. And and shifting that fear to excitement. So I work with that. I have embraced that fully. So basically it was my practice of vulnerability and moving through that fear into excitement and that sense of purpose. So all of that helped me to release any fear that I may may have had. Mm -hmm. What do you hope readers will get from this story? The energy of safety. I want, or I hope that readers and listeners realize that it is safe for them to look within to be honest with themselves in in regards to what is not working, how things serve or don't serve, that it's safe for them to recognize their own patterns of behavior and thought, the active archetypes that they may have within them, what needs to be shifted, what needs to change both internally and externally. So I hope readers will get from this story the fact that they can heal their own life if they're willing to do the work. And I invite the readers and the listeners to practice unconditional love toward themselves, no matter what they discover. Hmm. That sounds hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's a practice. (laughs) What has telling your stories done for you? It has helped to empower me 
telling my story has helped me to shine my own light as brightly as I can with the hope of inspiring others to do the same. Telling my story has helped me to recognize these patterns within me, my triggers, my archetypes, and then to bring it all back, all of it, to a place of love. Hmm. That feels good just to hear that, just to, <laughs> just to come back to a place of love. Right. I mean, if, if you think about where I was, because I just read it, and then to recognize, wow, I, I am a very rigid person I can be and learning hmm. to soften. but it's taking these discoveries of, yeah, you were really mean, but loving myself anyway, because we're all evolving. Well, most of us, but we're all evolving. How does your family respond to you now? (laughs) Uh, That's been really interesting. It depends. It depends on who the family member is. My oldest son, a very different version when I was raising him. So we're kind of learning how to get to know each other again. My younger son, who still lives at home, he's, he's good. He reacts pretty much positively. My husband has just been so supportive of my entire journey. And for that, I am truly grateful. Wow. My relationships, anything- do, I'm sorry, but relationships do shift, right? So, and then there's that, that uncomfortableness, but I trust that the relationships are all unfolding and deepening the way they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Yes, I would like to share that it was really interesting to reread this again now, almost a year after writing it. What's interesting, number one, is the fact that it was written in the third person. And that was a little challenging to do at first. But rereading it, I noticed my inner critic and my perfectionist voices starting to rear their ugly heads. And if I rewrote it now, I imagine it would be different. And that's okay, right? It's still, it's bringing it back to that place of love and trust and realizing that I'm evolving and I've evolved in that year since I wrote this and it's okay. Yeah. And maybe it's time to write a second version of it. Yeah. That's a really good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that particular speech exercise, you're asked to write in the third person too. Yes. Which is really hard to do when you're writing a memoir or, you know, just writing something about your own life. I sent that email out to, I don't know, 20, 25 people to ask what are three words that you would use to describe me. And all the words that they sent back were wonderful. And it was so easy for me to write about the things that they wrote back when I figured out those three words. And then I thought, no, this is too easy. Let me go back and do words that are not comfortable with me. And that's where I came up with the selflessness and the the compassion and the nurturing. But it was a wonderful exercise. Great. Well, I'm so glad that you submitted your speech for the book. I can't wait for more people to read it. You have other speeches in the book too. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're just, you're a great writer and a great speaker. And I'm so glad that you're part of Speaker Sisterhood. Me too. And thank you so much for having me here and giving me this opportunity. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. All right. I'd like to welcome our guest, Kim Menninger to the show. Kim, thanks for being here. Thanks, Angela. I'm excited to be here. Before we get into your speech and some conversation about it, can you tell us when you joined Speaker Sisterhood and why and what you do professionally? 
Sure, I'd be happy to. So I joined Speaker Sisterhood, I believe it was last fall, so about a year ago now. And I joined because a friend of mine introduced me. And what I was really drawn to was the opportunity to not just practice my speaking skills, that's an area that's obviously important to me as well, but to really think about my own personal story in a deeper way than I had ever done before. And she had mentioned how helpful it was for her to go through that journey. And so I really was excited to belong to a group that was not just focused on speaking skills in the traditional Toastmaster sense, but also in a much deeper personal way. Excellent. And what do you do professionally? I am an executive coach. I specialize in women's leadership. So I really try to help women in traditionally male-dominated environments to develop their confidence, expand their visibility, and build their influence so they can maximize their impact and, and also achieve whatever their definition of professional success looks like to them. Great. And I think that today's speech that you're going to read is a really good example of really digging into your story and thinking about how you can bring yourself to your work in a different way. Absolutely. So the title of your speech is My Path to Authenticity. And why don't you go ahead and read it and then we'll jump into some conversation. Okay. As a women's leadership coach, I spend a lot of time talking about the importance of authenticity. My entire business involves encouraging women to be true to themselves. I wholeheartedly believe that to be an effective leader, to genuinely connect with and inspire others, you have to be transparent, vulnerable, and authentic. Yet, I've spent most of my life hiding my true self from others, and the irony does not escape me. Being authentic, especially in social relationships, rarely feels safe to me. I moved every two years when I was growing up. As my peers cemented their deep-rooted friendships, I traveled in and out of social circles without enough time for the messiness of true friendship to strengthen the weak foundations on which I built my connections. Real relationships require time and trust. Both were difficult to realize when my life was a ticking clock, counting down to the next transition. A small part of me often wondered if building friendships was worth the effort. Why bother making the investment only to leave soon afterwards? But a much larger part of me wanted desperately to fit in. Always feeling like the last one to arrive to the party, I was deeply committed to making just the right impression. I learned early on how to read a room. I quickly picked up on social cues that others missed, and I did everything in my power to be liked. My number one mission in any new situation was to charm people. I recently finished the book, Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine. It's about a woman who struggles with social skills and interpersonal relationships. Essentially, through sideline observation, she decides that social success and being popular requires a bit of pretension. Doing things and being with people, you don't really enjoy all that much. That captures the essence of my approach to relationship building while growing up. I was a chameleon adapting to each new environment. It's not that I ignored my inner compass, I just didn't have one. I didn't know how I truly felt about certain things because I never took time to reflect. What I believed only mattered to the extent that it helped me navigate complex social situations. Remember those nasty teenage fights? 
girls can be so mean to each other. I had several, but instead of working through them and using the opportunity to speak my truth, practice conflict management skills, and deepen relationships, I moved. I left behind what I once considered close friendships because I didn't have time to tie up the loose ends, to experience the messiness that makes all relationships stronger and come out on the other side. My experiences created a new truth. Conflict equals loss. Being real, standing up for what you believe in, and taking risks means inevitably and irreversibly severing the fragile bonds that hold us together. As a coping mechanism, I avoided difficult conversations. When I felt frustrated, angry, or disappointed, I swallowed my feelings and smiled. It felt easier that way. My feelings didn't matter anyway. Who's going to fight for such a short-lived relationship, I thought. Who's going to care enough to hear how I really feel and work through it with me? And then I met my husband. After 10 years of marriage, I still can't say exactly what it is about him that makes me feel safe, but I've never been more honest with anyone in my life. If I have an authentic self, and I've wondered about that a lot over the years, he alone has experienced it. He is truly the only person in the world that I can challenge, question, share my innermost thoughts with, and never worry that he will leave me. Or worse, that he'll stay, but see me differently. Although it's taken most of my life to reach this secure place with another person, it gives me hope. If it's possible to be my true self with him, maybe I'll find other people in the world who will accept me for who I really am, and not just for the image I strategically convey. Thank you. (laughs) Wow, what a story. Do you remember which speech this was? I believe it was the second speech. And this is a really vulnerable speech to give, especially, you know, for your second speech. Was it hard to put together and deliver? It was really hard. And I remember when I joined Speaker Sisterhood, committing to myself that I would do things and go places that I hadn't in the past because I really wanted to use the experience to tell my story to myself and to others. So it was really hard. It, it really required me to think about things that were really painful and that I hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about, but it, it felt really important to me to use that opportunity to, if I was going to talk about my truth, and I think that was the, the topic, I, I was going to be real. Yeah. What did it feel like after you delivered the speech? It was such a relief. I felt such a powerful connection to the women who heard me tell the story. And so many people reached out to me afterwards to tell me how grateful they were that I shared it. And it it resonated with them in interesting ways. I've always thought my story was a little bit unique because not everybody moves as often as I did. But what it offered me was the opportunity to realize that even though not everyone has been through the same changes I have, that they've experienced their own challenges in these areas. And so while one of my fears when I was putting it together was, oh no, this is going to create even more distance between me and the world around me, it actually created a much stronger sense of connection than I expected. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would say that's true for me too. I didn't move a lot as a kid, but I still felt like making friends was hard and wanting to show up as myself was the scariest thing in the world. I was like, okay, I could try to be someone that I think they would like, and that would probably give me a better chance of being liked, you know? Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> did you have any fears around sharing it? I did. I I was fearful from a personal standpoint of you know, how is this going to sound and what are people going to think? And it, it kind of, <laughs> I joke about my inner seventh grader. It kind of activated my inner seventh grader in terms of wanting to be liked and accepted. But it also, I had some fears about sharing it because of the role that I play and the the job that I have. Like I said, I, I you know, I try to coach women around authenticity. And so I felt like, gosh, do I sound like a fraud if I share this? If I'm out there really encouraging other people to be authentic and I'm carrying around this, what I thought of as a deep, dark secret, does that delegitimize what I'm trying to do for others? And have you found that to be true? No. (laughs) That was such a great surprise. It actually has brought me in this whole new direction. So I had been coaching from a certainly a place of sincerity, but not necessarily a deeper place of connection to why I do the work I do. And I've really been able to realize that so much of what motivates me to help women to feel more confident and to feel more of a connection to their environments is rooted in this experience that I had and just wanting people to feel a greater sense of belonging in whatever environment they're in so that they can be their best selves and so they can really reach their own full potential. I've heard that people go into the profession that that like whatever they teach is what they most need to learn. Have you ever heard that? Yes. Yes. My coach said that too. And that actually makes me feel better (laughs) when I think about it that way. (laughs) Because like I said, I did have those feelings of being a fraud. And then I thought, you know what, maybe I'm the best person to have these conversations and to engage with people in this way, because I know it better than most. And so I can certainly speak with, with experience and credibility on the topic. Mm -hmm. What do you hope readers will get from the story? I hope that it allows other people to be vulnerable and to recognize the ways in which situations that were out of their own control, whether they were in childhood or later in life, have influenced us in you know, ways that may be holding us back today. And to look for opportunities to be more intentional, to you know, try to find other, other ways of coping that may be more productive. I know for me, I have really tried to be more vulnerable in my connections with others, um, even just from this experience, really recognizing where I may be holding myself back in social situations and trying to step outside of my comfort zone a bit. And so I think there's in all of us a story that we may be trying to hide from or that maybe we haven't even fully explored and to recognize that we don't have to be held captive by that story that you know we have new choices as adults that we didn't have available to us when we were children and you know this doesn't have to be the way the story ends yeah 
How would you say membership has helped you with that? The ability to share this kind of intimate detail with people who are virtual strangers, right? I mean, you walk in and into a group of women that you don't really know well yet has been incredibly powerful because the experience was so warm and inviting and welcoming. And, you know, I think that that created almost an easier time for me because, because they were not my closer friends. I could share more vulnerably. I felt like I could be perhaps a little bit more honest about this than I would have been with other people that I was more invested in, so to speak. But I also felt a sense of safety and a sense of implicit trust that allowed me to go to these depths to tell this story. And and the response was that I now have even deeper connections that I didn't anticipate as a result of being willing to share that story. Mm -hmm. I love it. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Ah, well, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you, first of all, for inviting me here, but also for creating this opportunity for, for all of us to experience this kind of growth and vulnerability. And really, like I said, I've been a member of Toastmasters in the past. You don't get here in Toastmasters. So, so I'm really grateful that that you have created this as an opportunity for women. And I hope that more women will take advantage of it. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. And I, I agree. I think I'm hoping that this book is going to help share more stories and inspire more women to tell their stories. So I appreciate you being part of it and coming on the show today to tell us the story behind the story. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed those speeches and heard a little bit of yourself in some of them. I love that these speeches are about evolution, you know, and really getting to know yourself and recognizing that life is just a journey and there's so much to learn about ourselves and to continue working on and growing into and finding. And I hope that these speeches inspired you to look at yourself and to continue, you know, becoming whoever it is you want to be. So that does it for me this week, you guys. This is our part three of our four-part series of Secrets of the Sisterhood. We have one more episode left coming out in a couple of weeks for you to hear a little bit more about these speeches and hear from the women behind the speeches. And I hope you are getting excited for our big book launch day on November 29th when you can get your own copy of Secrets of the Sisterhood. All right, that does it for me this week, you guys. As always, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.